This is the uh, third psalm in a row that starts with praise the Lord. I know we need to be careful of the repetition because it become, can become vain really quickly. But at the same time, there are things that should be repeated and they should be repeated with meaning. And boy, if there's everything, anything that should be repeated with meaning and not become a vain repetition, but repeated with unction and be repeated with, with just heartfelt adoration and in truth, it's, it's praise the Lord. Because as we've been seeing, it is our high call that we have been created to be a people who praise the Lord. And when we're walking in worship and in fellowship with God Almighty, indeed, we are walking in what He's called us to walk in. And this psalm here before us this morning, again, the theme is praise the Lord. And we've talked about praising the Lord with song. We'll touch on that a bit this morning. But this morning, we're going to focus in on praising the Lord in service. As you notice how the psalm starts, praise the Lord and then it says, praise, O servants of the Lord. And indeed, we don't want to be a people that just give lip service, that just say praise the Lord. But our praise to the Lord should be seen in our service and, and, and how we go about our lives and what we use our time for and so forth. And just that understanding that really everything we have belongs to God and we're stewards of it. We're servants of it. So are we serving the Lord with what he's put before us? We'll also talk about the heart behind that, that we don't want to serve begrudgingly, but indeed serving with a heart of love for God and for others versus just giving lip service. We also see in this psalm the call to praise the name of the Lord, to bless the name of the Lord. And indeed, the name of the Lord is the name above all names. And we're going to take a bit of time just to talk about the name of the Lord. And there's so much about the name of the Lord in the scriptures that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved, and the authority in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and so forth. And so, along with that, there's just several other just proclamations of the greatness of God. In fact, it's so beautiful because the, the first five verses just talk about the grandeur and the awesomeness of God and the call to praise Him. And then it speaks about how God humbles His heart, which is just an amazing statement, he humbles his heart to be aware of what's going on in heaven and earth. And then it talks about him raising up the poor from the dust and the needy out of the ash heap. And it's just a picture of the gospel. God, who's awesome and great, concerned with us, made the way so we could be raised up out of the dust. And again, he says to be seated with the princes of his people. It talks about salvation and so forth from the Lord God Almighty. Let's read the psalm together. It's nine verses. And then we'll jump into this and just pray God greatly blesses our Bible study here. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. <clears throat> Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun till it's going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations. His glory above the heavens. Who is like the Lord our God who dwells on high? Notice verse 6. Who humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and in the earth. He raises the poor out of the dust and lifts the needy out of the ash heap. That he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children 
praise the Lord. Again, praise the Lord. It is a declaration. And we said this the last few weeks as the psalmist is writing this. He is declaring praise the Lord. It's also, again, a command. Notice the psalm starts with praise the Lord. The psalm ends with praise the Lord with an exclamation point after each time it is said. It is a command to us to be a people who praise the Lord. And absolutely as well, it is a determination. As we saw there in Psalm 111.1, Praise the Lord, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart. I will praise the Lord. And we need to be a people that have that determination. Come whatever, I will praise the Lord. If trials come my way, I will praise the Lord. If tribulation comes my way, I will praise the Lord. If persecution comes my way, I will praise the Lord. I will praise the Lord in the valley. And I will praise the Lord as well on the hilltop. I will praise the Lord in the midst of blessing, in the midst of provision, in the midst of being daily loaded with benefits. Let's not praise benefits. Let's not praise blessings. Let's praise the Lord who gives blessings and benefits. The breath in our lungs, the beat of our heart. A warm room to gather together in on a cold day. That sun that's come up that's melting the ice on those tables where you're going to eat pancakes and sausages in a little bit. Let's praise the Lord. Again, praise the Lord or hallelujah. It means to revere, to worship, to boast of, to celebrate, to commend, to sing of. And as we've been seeing, we should praise the Lord because of who He is and because of all that He has done, is doing, and will do. And the last few weeks and even this morning, I've tried to kind of bring in some verses that just talk about who He is and what He's done and what He's doing and what He will do in the future. And we could go on on that all day long, into the week, and in through, you know, at the, the, the end of the year, into the next year, because He is so good and so awesome and so vast and so wonderful. But here's just a few things, hopefully just to stir your heart, to remind you of who your God is, His awesomeness, and so forth. Notice Matthew nineteen twenty six. the Lord says, "...with men this is impossible." And he was talking about rich men and how difficult it is for them to be in heaven. He said it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to go to glory. And then the disciples say, well, then who can be saved? And he said, with men, this is impossible. And it's really impossible for any men to be saved on their own. But with God, all things are possible. That's who our God is. What seems impossible is possible with our God. All things are possible. Notice Isaiah 40, 28. It says, Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth? Again, He's everlasting. He's created all of the earth from the ends of the earth. Notice about Him. He never faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Your God never burns out. Isn't that awesome to know? He never grows weary. And again, his understandings are perfect. His understandings are so much above ours. And they are unsearchable, but at the same time, he allows us to look through a dim glass, you know, look through and 
We, we, we see enough to know who He is, to come to Him, to come to faith in Jesus Christ. And what a glorious you know, a thought. His understanding is unsearchable, but we're going to have all eternity before us to search it out, to abound and grow in our understanding of His. And then notice how generous He is. Again, He never faints, He's never weary, and He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, He increased their strength. Maybe this morning you're feeling weary. You're feeling weak. You feel like you need to get strength. And you're like, oh, it's impossible. I'm so weak. Look at all things are possible with God. And indeed, he gives strength to the weary. And it talks next about how to get that strength. We need to wait on him. We need to sit at his feet. We need to sit at his feet and do what? Praise the Lord. I'll tell you, look at in the midst of of this world that we're living in, in the midst of all the ups and downs and trials and the darkness out there, you want to get strength from God, you need to stop, you need to make time, get before Him, praise Him, give Him thanks, give Him glory. Sometimes I think we too focus on, Lord, I want to give you my laundry list of stuff, and here it goes, God. God already knows that laundry list, and even knows the thing that should be on the laundry list that's not on the laundry list, that's probably bigger than the laundry list you made. But here's the thing, He knows what we need before we ask. Let's make it our chief aim to say, above all that, I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm going to give thanks to God. I'm going to give glory to the Lord. And look at it goes beyond this, John 3, 16. The simplicity of John 3, 16 that is so deep, that is so vast. For God so loved the world. Look at He loved the world and the world's not lovely. We're sinners. There's none that do good. No, not one. Yet He loved the world and He loved the world so much He gave His only begotten Son to make that way of salvation for us that whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. How can you not read that and not say, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. He tells us on top of that, when we call on him, he comes to abide with us. He says, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. He's with us here this morning. He's going to be with you this afternoon. He's going to be with you in the morning when you go to work. He says he's with us to the end of the age. And praise God, he declares in Revelation twenty two twenty, Surely I'm coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord. Amen. He absolutely is worthy of all praise. And then it says, Praise, O servants of the Lord. And we've talked about praising Him in song. We've talked about praising Him in proclamation. And indeed, we should do that. That's not a suggestion in Scripture That is a command in Scripture to give praise to God. That when we do that, not only do we give glory to Him and lift Him up, we minister to one another. Look, it's a glorious thing when people gather together like-minded that love God and lift their voices to the Lord. There's an admonishment that takes place. There's an encouragement that takes place. There's a building up that takes place, and we want to praise Him in that manner. Notice Ephesians 5, 17 through 20. We've looked at this the last few weeks, but I want to bring it out again. It says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So this is very important instruction before us. We want to walk in wisdom. We want to know what God wants for us. He says, number one, don't be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And so we want to be a people that are led by the Spirit of God, not by something else that can 
you know, take control of our heart, be filled with the Spirit. And then he says, speaking with one another in psalms and hymns, and notice spiritual songs. Not carnal songs, but spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, and giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So again, singing to one another and making melody in our heart to the Lord, to be a people that worship Him. And again, there's great encouragement. You know, I'll talk about the play again today at 2 and 6. They're going to have it again. But on Wednesday night, look, I was that, that, the music in that play just really ministered to me. It was just so Christ-centered. And then to see, you know, at a stage full of kids up here, not just singing, but worshiping the Lord. I was just really built up and ministered to just by getting sung to. They were singing to the Lord. But listen, I was taking it in and found great encouragement and, and, and you know, a, a great buildup in that. And so really when we praise God, we give glory to the Lord. We're loving one another in that as well. And we want to know that and really even have that mindset when we come together to worship. You know, that it's not looked at as a minor thing, but a major thing. It's not looked at as a time of entertainment and so forth. I, I, there, I saw some church in their worship. They got a Santa Claus that comes down and races over the, the congregation and so forth. And you can see this is just oozing of, of entertainment Look, at we want our song to be worship to God and admonishment to one another because we're not hearing praise the Lord out there, but boy, we better hear it here and in our conversation with one another and then pray there'd be an overflow of that to our world that needs to come to know the Lord. So again, we praise the Lord with song and proclamation, making melody in our hearts to God. But notice again, he says, praise, O servants of the Lord. So we want to praise Him as servants of the Lord. We've been called to praise Him in our serving. Again, as I already mentioned, everything in our life belongs to God. We're stewards of it. We absolutely are a people who have been called to be responsible in what He has given us to oversee for His glory and His honor and His praise. Listen to some of these passages. Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Therefore... By him, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. So again, we want to speak praise to him. We want to sing praise to him. But notice 16, but do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And it's easy to get going in the day and walk right past opportunities to serve God, to do what's right, to do what's upright we don't want to be such a people it's easy to even be a people that say praise the lord but live a life of selfishness and we're forgetting to be doers of the word we're forgetting to serve god with what he has blessed us with we saw in romans when we went through that last uh this this past year romans 12 1 and it's a passage that that i bring up often because it's so clear the call to serve him with all of our life. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you may present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. 
And he talks about the key in doing that, not being conformed to the world, but be transformed through the renewing of our mind. So we can prove and approve of what's good and acceptable before God Almighty. Again, we want to serve him and we want to praise him in our service. Thinking about this, just several examples of this in Scripture. I think of someone like the Apostle Paul there in 1 Corinthians 9.16. He says, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I don't preach the gospel. And see, when Paul preached the gospel, absolutely it was coming out of an unction, of a calling upon God, of him serving God in that preaching but praising God in that preaching. And I can guarantee you this morning, there's a necessity that the Lord wants to lay upon you. There's a woe is me that God wants to lay upon you in the call to serve Him, in the call to serve the body of Christ and so forth. And if you don't know what that is, I encourage you to go get back to that first call to praise the Lord, to get before the Lord. Our time here is very short. And we don't want to be spinning our wheels and missing out on that call to be servants of the Lord and praising Him in our service to the Lord. I know there's many in this room, there's a necessity upon them that they're aware of and they're walking on that and serving the Lord. For some, there's a necessity to serve in children's ministry. For some, there's a necessity in, you know what, helping in projects around the church. There's some, they have a necessity in giving and so forth, even over and above what God's called us to, you know, in our first fruits. There's a necessity that God wants to lay on you. Some have a great necessity laid upon them to go out and evangelize. There's others that they're like Anna in the temple that we read about in Luke 236 she's elderly in age and it says she was in the temple night and day you know what she was doing she was praying and she was fasting you guys need to know there's several people in our church they're elderly and they've served their lives sir used their life serving the lord and now on the point a lot of times so i wish i could do more all i can do is pray and i said look at if there's anything that we could do let's just make pray the only thing that we do and then let god just work out of that but even all the more there's a necessity upon them and they're embracing that and walking in that to the glory of the lord i think about tabitha in acts 9 36 it says at joppa there was a certain disciple named tabitha which is translated dorcas this woman was full of good works and charitable deeds, which she did. A necessity laid upon her. You know what? To worship God and serve the Lord in, again, those things done to His glory and blessing others and advancing the kingdom of God and the ministry of the Lord. So again, he says, Oh, praise, O oh servants of the Lord. And if you don't have that necessity upon you, if there's not a woe is me upon you, I encourage you, begin to delight yourself in the Lord all the more and say, God, put that burden upon my heart, upon my life. Because we are here to praise the Lord. We're here to praise the Lord with proclamation. And we're here to praise the Lord in our doing and in our serving. And listen, it's not just in serving, but it's in the way we serve. Because it's easy to serve without a heart of praise, without a heart of worship. And it's easy to even start off serving out of a necessity with a heart of praise and a heart of worship. And then encounter difficulty along the way. And if you're going to be a soldier for the Lord, you're going to encounter difficulties along the way. Can anyone testify to that this morning? But instead of getting bitter, we bring those you know what, difficulties before the Lord, and we say, I want to serve the Lord with a right heart attitude. 
And if my heart starts getting into a wrong attitude, I want to bring that before the Lord and ask God to bring correction and refreshment and so forth. I want to remember what the Lord faced when He even went to the cross and yet He went all the way in serving the Father and making the way of salvation for us. We want to make sure that, again, we don't just have an outward appearance of worship and song or even worship and serving, but our hearts are far away from the Lord. And you see that pattern often come up in the Old Testament with Israel where they were going through the motions. They'd come together and they'd sing the songs. They would keep the feast. They'd even go about the business of the work in the temple, but their hearts were far away from the Lord. We don't want to get into that place. Micah 6, what a clear picture of it. You know what? They're having discussion with the Lord about their worship that that God wasn't pleased with. It become a, a thing of even a great grandeur and, and, and presentation. And you know what? Probably to the carnal man looked very impressive, but their hearts were far away from the Lord. He says there in Micah 6, 6, What shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the, the, before the high God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand of rams, ten thousand rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? So again, this is a very broad picture and so forth. But notice what it says. He's shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Notice, to do justly, to love mercy, and walk humbly with your God. And in our serving of the Lord, we want to make sure again, We're doing justly out of praise to God, not doing selfishly, that we're loving mercy as God has extended great grace and mercy on us. We're being compassionate and empathetic towards others, and we're walking humbly with the Lord. We don't get full of pride. It doesn't come become about us, but again, about giving praise to God and recognizing even everything I have is a gift from God, so I want to give glory to God in it. I won't read it this morning, but 1 Corinthians 13, that, that chapter on love. You know, it starts about all this doing. You know, if I do this, then I do that. But he says, if I have not love, I'm, I'm nothing. I'm like a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And so again, we want to serve the Lord and worship God in our service, but it's so key that in that we don't get bitter in our hearts, that it doesn't become about a thing of show or, you know, doing things begrudgingly, but absolutely we serve Him with a heart of worship. I get to serve the Lord. I get to walk with my King. I get to be about the business of God. We don't want to fall into that place where we're just giving lip service. And again, that happened often with Israel. It was the case with the Pharisees in the day of Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew 15, 7, Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And notice, in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. And so there was a big show that was taking place But the Lord says, this is a vain effort because it is all lip service. Their hearts are so far away from me. Now listen, when it comes to praising God with service, I I, I really believe oftentimes he's most glorified in that because it's easy to fall in lip service, praise the Lord. You know, we, we give you glory, God, which again, we, that, that we are called to that. It should be heartfelt. 
But if our lives are, are, are not a life of doing, if it's not a life of serving, if it's just, just kind of a, you know what, I say it, but I don't live it out, uh, that's problematic. I think when the rubber really hits the road and Monday through Friday we're serving the Lord and want to represent God in our workplaces and in our interaction with others and again through the weekend and so forth, God is most glorified in that. And hear this. I, I hope when we talk about being a servant that no one's like, oh, bummer, I don't want to use my life to serve others. Jesus said it's more blessed to give than receive. You want to have a blessed life, live a life of service unto the Lord and unto others. Blessing abounds in serving God and the, 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 the call of, you know, walking of the necessity he wants to lay upon each one of us. Even that, that general will that, that he's put before us to, to help one another, to meet urgent needs, to pray for one another, to do the work of an evangelist. You know what, to, to take up our cross and follow him. We are most blessed when we're walking in the service of, of God. And again, in our day-to-day activities, doing it unto the Lord, going to the laundromat with the joy of the Lord, saying, God, if there's someone you want me to talk to about Jesus here, you know what, give me that opportunity. You, you, in fact, you got a great platform. You got dirty clothes being put in the wash machine, hopefully coming out clean. What a great illustration. I was a sinner. I came to Christ. He's made me clean. And he wants to clean you up as well. You know, walking with that mentality. It, it, it's funny. I didn't talk to Brady this week. But they, they chose one of the songs that I have in, 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 uh, in the passage this morning. Where David said, you talk about the blessing of, of serving King David. And I had someone... Uh, this morning after prayer they said yeah my i believe it was his uh, nephews in public school and in public school he learned about king david recently and i thought, well get, you know give that teacher a badge because she she or he snuck that in no doubt and you know it, it was really opening up great conversation about the lord but king david said it's i i i want to be a, i would rather be a servant in the house of god than anywhere else psalm eighty four ten, he says for a day in your courts is a better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. You know, in the tents of, you could say, selfishness, of self-indulgence, and the tents of hedonistic living and so forth. I would rather be a doorkeeper there because David knew the joy of worshiping God in service. He knew the joy of taking care of sheep as a young boy and doing it unto the Lord, doing it to the greatest, you know, of his ability, even in protecting those sheep and so forth. He knew the joy of serving in the army of the Lord, just being a foot soldier. He knew the joy of even being out in the wilderness and ministering to all who were in debt and despair and discontent. They came out to him at that cave of Adullam or refuge. And he said, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. And listen, David knew as well about the tents of the wicked. He knew, look, at he, he, he interacted with so many high ups and, and, and people in authority and great wealth. He had seen it firsthand from the Nabals to King Saul to the 
various kings around him. And he said, listen, I'd rather serve as a doorkeeper. Welcome. Come on in. You know what? There in the door of the house of God than to be there in the, the indulgences of the world and the house of the wicked. And he's saying this, again, not as a killjoy of fun, but saying, this is where life's found in serving God and praising God in the service of the Lord. Again, our lives are short here. And we don't want to to waste it away with vain living and and aimless conduct. Notice 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Hear this. Knowing your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And it's a glorious thing. Even if there's no recognition of your service of the Lord, and at times there will be no recognition. And I told you guys a few weeks ago, if you're serving the Lord to get recognition for men, you need to stop. Our service of the Lord needs to be to the glory of God Almighty, even knowing that is not a life lived in a vain manner, but a life that will be acknowledged by God with eternal reward. There's a great joy found in that. And I'll tell you, when we serve the Lord with a right heart attitude, you know what? God loves that. God's heart is blessed by that. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a, notice, a cheerful giver. God takes pleasure in that. When we just say, I just, I want to serve God. I want to honor the Lord. So again, praise the Lord Praise, O servants of the Lord. And then notice what he says next. And it's really these next three verses are about this. He says, praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun till it's going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. Anyone know this morning there's power in the name of Jesus? Again, there there is no name like the name of Jesus Christ. There's no name, hear this, in a fallen world, in in my 53 years, I have found there's no name that even comes near to offending non-believers like the name of Jesus Christ. You want to clear a room or see a room get saved, go in there and start preaching the name of Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Look at, back in the day when I did construction, you know, I I did a lot of of additions and for homeowners and i'd be working in there and i turn around and dude's like right over my shoulder like we're you know we're i'm here he's right over here and that gets hard to get work done and so forth so i i've I, i've shared this before here's a real t- here here's a here's a here's a tip for you an insight to life i just start talking about jesus christ they'd either get saved seeds planted or they leave me alone and i can finish the job you know because there's no name like the name of jesus christ we read in Philippians 2, 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Buddha, Muhammad, there's no name like Jesus Christ. So much higher than these liars that have big names. A Confucius, a Gandhi, preachers of false gospels, and yet people hold up their name. There is no name like the name of Jesus You could even take the patriarchs of the scripture, Moses and Abraham and Apostle Paul. Look, they'd be the first to tell you our names are nothing. He is the name above all names. At the name of Jesus, it says, every knee shall bow of those in heaven, those on earth, of those under earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Notice to the glory of God 
the Father. That's the name of our God. Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus saved me. Jesus set me free. Jesus washed me. He says, you'll be saved if you call upon my name. And think about his name again. We, 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 we read of his person and so forth. We, we know that, again, he is in spirit. And so how, how do I call on him? I have to know his name to call on him, right? Jesus saved me. And again, he saves whoever calls on his name. We become children of God through believing in his name. John 1.12, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. You're an adopted son or daughter of God this morning because you have believed in the name of Jesus Christ. How about this, John 14.13, there's no name like this. He says, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now again, we are asking in the name of the Lord. So we ask as the Lord would ask that the Father would be glorified. And he said, when you ask in that manner, whatever you ask for, I will do. Lord, grow our faith to believe that. Amen. Amen. And then I think about the power of the name of Christ when it comes just to this spiritual war that we're in. Jesus said in Mark 16, 17, these signs will follow those who believe. And just so you know, this is New Testament doctrine for us today. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, it will by, be, it will by no means hurt them. They'll lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. There's power in the name of Jesus. Listen, this is a story. You can take it. You can leave it. You can do with it what you want. But when I was a, a kid in high school, I knew the Lord, but I wasn't walking with the Lord. And I know just about every night I'd go home and I, I would feel convicted about the way I lived that day. And before I go to sleep, I'd say, Lord, forgive me. I've shared this before a long time ago. I, I, I remember going to bed one night and I said, why should I even pray? I'm going to do what I did today, tomorrow. And that night as I, I lay down, I didn't ask the Lord to forgive me. I didn't pray to the Lord. I'll tell you that night, there, there was a demonic presence in, my, presence in my room. And it came down and it pinned me in that bed. And I couldn't breathe and I couldn't move. And I thought I was either going to get overtaken by 10,000 demons or I was going to die. And somehow in the midst of it, I was only able to utter one word. Only one word and only one name. I don't even know how it got out of my mouth. And I just said, Jesus. And I can tell you, look, it light flooded that room. And the Lord came in and just met me where I was at. You can take it or leave it, but I'll tell you this. I've heard 10,000 testimonies of the exact same thing. And the scriptures are full of the truth. There's no name like the name of Jesus. Let's praise the name of our Lord. Amen. Verse 2. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and for evermore and so maybe again up to this point we haven't been praising him the way that we should maybe we haven't been giving him glory the way that we should but listen he says from this time forth forevermore let's make it our aim from this time forth and forevermore we're going to praise the lord we're going to give glory to god we're going to lift up the name of jesus even knowing we're going to give an account for our words I don't got time to read it, but in Matthew 12, the Lord talks about good fruits and bad fruits. And he talks about trees that produce those fruits. 
And he talks about, again, our words being the fruit that comes out of our life. One thing I know is that an apricot tree produces apricot because at one point someone put an apricot seed in the ground. And if we want to be a people who praise the Lord from this time forth forevermore, we need to be putting the things of God into our heart. And be a people as well that say, I'm going to guard my heart against these things that do not praise the Lord. I do not want to allow the enemy to come so tears into my heart that would take away from my call to praise the Lord, to give glory to God. So again, blessed be the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So into all of eternity. Look, at the, the past is the past. The past is, is, is where it is. But we're here right now at this place, you know what, and, and we have eternity before us. We have our days here on earth before us. And the psalmist, even knowing that, again, blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth forevermore. So I can't do anything about yesterday, but from right now forward, I will be determined to praise the Lord. God, give us that unction, amen. Give us that fervency that we would say, now forward, I'm going to praise Him. And then notice from the rising of the sun to its going down, the Lord's name is to be praised. That's a command here. It's not the Lord's name. Well, you know, praise it if you want. Is to be praised and it will be praised. Again, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Jesus is Lord. But I don't want to have my knee kicked out from underneath me. I want to willingly bend it and say, I will praise you, God. I will lift up your name. I love Psalm once uh, seventy-one seventy says, I have become as a wonder to many, but you are my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with your praise and with your glory. Notice all the day. Psalm 34, 1, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Again, a determination from the rising of the sun to the setting. I will praise God all of my days and all of my day. And listen, this is also a call for all to praise Him. As the sun comes up, goes over the earth, rises down, as it goes over all men, all women, the call to praise God. And indeed, His arms are open to all who will call upon Him. So all are called to give praise to Him. Verse 4, The Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. And these next few verses to talk about Again, the majesty and the awesomeness of God. And then it's incredible because in verse 6, then it says he humbles himself to check in with us here on earth. And he beholds the things here on earth. And, and this is something we need to grow in because the devil works hard to, to come against the majesty of God and the holiness of God and the awesomeness of God. And so oftentimes men in the rebellion want the rebellion want to to reduce God to being, you know, it equals with us or us even being a little above God and so forth. And, and, and look at, again, his name is, is above all. And, and, and the gap, the gap is an eternity between the awesomeness of God and the, and, and, and the you know, the, the fallen state of men. It's, it's not even in the same conversation. Again, he's high above all nations his glory above the heavens. And there's many that want to flex and think they're above God. And yet, again, that's foolishness. I think of Nebuchadnezzar and Daniel, and, and Daniel had, had, had warned him, you know, through dreams given, through prophetic utterance, 
that you need to humble your heart. You know, yes, you're the more or less ruler of the world, but these are gifts from God. And then we saw a year later, Nebuchadnezzar walking up on his palace saying, look at all that I have and all that I've done. And it says that God drove him out into the field. And for the next seven years, he was out there. And you know what? He, he, his, his hair grew like eagle's feathers and his nails like bird claws. And finally, he humbled his heart. And when he acknowledged the Lord, the Lord restored him. Listen to Isaiah 40, verse 15. Behold, And again, the nations, you know, the United Nations and the nations and the nations are going to come and dictate what's right and what's wrong and so forth. And there's so much that's wrong right now that they're calling right. So much wickedness that they're upholding. So much trampling of the, you know, the truths of God Almighty. But notice what God says. And again, he's high above the nations here. Isaiah 40, verse 15. Behold, the nations are as a drop in the bucket. And are counted as the small dust on the scales. Look, he lifts up the islands as a very little thing. Let, let us remember that as we see the unfolding of Psalm 2 right now. Of the nations taking counsel with one another to cast off the counsel of God Almighty. And again, it's just going on across the board. We're born male and female. They say, no, we want that. You can be whatever you feel that you are. Marriage between one man and one woman. No, we decided it's for whoever, whenever, however they want to do it. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Oh, no, that's hate speech. All roads lead to heaven. How dare you say someone will go to hell if they don't call upon Christ? I didn't say it. Jesus said it. Your problem is with the Lord Jesus Christ, and you're like a drop in the bucket to the Lord. Again, His glory is above the heavens. And we look up and we see the glory in the sky. We see the glory in the stars. And then there's a celestial heaven that we'll see one day. And listen, His glory is above all of that. Let's remember that when we look up. That these are the fingerprints of God Almighty. Verse 5, who's like the Lord our God who dwells on high? Again, the answer is no one. No one's like Him. Job 34, 14, if He should... Set his heart on it if he should gather to himself his spirit and his breath. All flesh would perish and man would return to the dust. Who would dare even try to, you know what, bring a judgment against him? And yet men, again, in their ignorance do so. So that we even have to be instructed who's like him. He dwells on high. We're down here in need of forgiveness and relationship. And look at every provision we have is from the lord there's none like him he's awesome he's mighty he's all powerful again he 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 he, his understandings are unsearchable and he never grows weary in his strength nothing's impossible with him and then notice verse six who humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven in the heavens and in the earth and again i i can't i can try as i can try to to muster up i Again, and, and, and I, read, I, I read so many scriptures because the scriptures say it better than I ever can. This is God's word. But listen, our, it's, it's, our understanding is so limited. I try my, I'm trying to, to, to put forth, again, the picture and the proclamation of the awesomeness of God. And I, I, I know I'm, I'm hitting it here when, again, the, the, the depth of it is an eternal, eternally high, low, the, the breadth of it, again, it's... It, it's beyond comprehension of the awesomeness of God 
And then you take that and then you go to verse 6. He humbles himself to behold the things that are in the heavens and the earth. Look, at that should be a humbling thing to our heart. God who, again, is mighty and awesome and so powerful, and yet he's mindful of what's going on here on this earth. And not only does he humble himself to know, we read in Philippians 2, that he humbled himself and took on the form of a man and he subjected himself to death, not any death, but death on the cross, the criminal's death. For what reason? To make the way to save our souls. To raise us up, as we'll see next, out of the dust and out of the, hash, the, the ash heap. To set us on thrones to rule and reign with him for eternity. That should humble our hearts. And if that can't get our hearts to say, praise the Lord and be a people who want to serve the Lord, you know, what, what will? <laughs> Again... He invites us to to himself. And he made the way for us to be saved. He's mindful again of us in our lost state. To make the way of salvation. And then he's mindful of us at every single turn. Psalm 139, 17. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God. How great the sum of them. If I should count them, they'd be more than the number of the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Take that and receive that. God's thoughts towards you outnumber the sands of the sea. That's him humbling his heart towards me because I am but dust. And then he speaks, Jesus speaks in Matthew 10, talking about the needs of the day and so forth and the worries that can come in. He says there in verse 30, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more more value than many sparrows. Amazingly. He's concerned with you. All the little things. He's concerned for your soul and the number of hairs on your head. And again, as we reflect on so often, he says, cast all your cares upon me, knowing I care for you. That's not, he doesn't give us lip service. I've been guilty many a times giving him lip service. But he never has given me lip service. He's never given you lip service. What he says is true. He raises the poor out of the dust. He lifts the needy out of the ash heap. How can we not say amen to that? That he may seat him with princes, with the princes of his people. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. And again, listen, we are the poor and the needy ones. We are sinners. There's no hope outside of Jesus Christ. Romans 3, 23, we've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory. After man sinned, God said in Genesis 3, 19, you are dust to the dust you shall return. (laughs) Again, he raises the poor out of the dust. We're getting context here. This isn't a social justice that he's teaching here. He's not saying, well, you know, the selected little group over here, they're impoverished. He's saying, all you all are impoverished in your sin. You are but dust. Psalm 62, 9. Surely men of low degree are a vapor, and men of high degree, hear this, are a lie. If they are weighed on the scales, they are altogether lighter than a vapor, all grouped in together. We're sinners. We're returning to the dust. We are like a vapor. We are a lie. Yet it's his desire to raise the poor out of the dust, to lift the needy out of the ash. He 
Again, the wages of sin are death, Romans 6.23. But praise God, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And what do the scriptures say in James 4.10? Humble yourself on the side of the Lord. And notice this is the key to it. He will lift you up. You don't want to humble your heart? You don't want to call on his name? Then you will remain as in, in that ash heap. You're going to remain in that place of poverty. We're talking about spiritual poverty. We're talking about men and women destined to hell outside of Jesus Christ. Poor, rich, whatever it is. Hey, we, we live in this time where, where, you know, all these divisions and all this stuff. And it seems like everything is about getting more. We don't give this group more and give them more. And they have too much and so forth. How, how, you know what? What about Jesus Christ in your soul, man? <laughs> Our time here is a vapor and a, our time here is a, is, is, a, is a shadow. And again, men of low degree are a vapor and men of high degree are a lie. But Jesus Christ raises us out of the dust and out of the ash heap. How? When we call upon his name. Listen, he rose from the grave so that we know we will resurrect from the grave. I love Jesus quotes this in his ministry on earth. Isaiah 61.1, and we're almost done here. It says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort those who mourn and console those who mourn in Zion. Notice next, to give them beauty for ashes. And the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may call the trees, may be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. But notice here the key is mourning, a spirit of heaviness. It's repentance. Lord, I need you. And when you humble your heart and you call on his name, he ushers in again. Was called in scripture that healing balm of Gilead. He comes and again restores and lifts up. And, and I've seen it in my own life an ash heap that God again has done something hopefully to his glory in. And I've seen it time and time again with so many lives. And read in the scripture our God is living and active and absolutely moving in this way to this day right now. And we are a royal priesthood and we will rule and reign with him forever. And again, it's nothing on me. It's all about him. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. I ain't deserving of any of it. Not a lick of it. And then finally, we read it, but we'll close with it. He grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. And again, this is where context is so important. Look at especially there in the Old Testament. As, as they knew the Savior would come through their genealogy. The, the, the longing for the, the, the women of Israel to have children was just off the chart. And it, it, it wasn't just about, oh, I want to I have a baby. But it was about, I, we have a call to, to procreate because the Savior is going to come through us. Look at when Hannah there in 1 Samuel's weeping in the temple. It, it, it goes far beyond just wanting to have a, a kid to change diapers and burp them. It, it, it had to do with the coming Savior, the Messiah. Again, 
how unfortunately she would even be viewed by her peers as barren, as being one who was cursed. That's how they viewed it. And boy, think about us before Christ. We were under a curse. But Christ came down to make the way again to rise us from dust in the ash heap and to take the curse from us that we would be like a joyful mother of children or walk into our inheritance to know the Savior has come. Again, He is the one that brings joy and the fruits of the Holy Spirit and eternal life. Thus again, the psalm ends as it started. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's worthy of praise for who He is all that he's done, all that he is doing, and he's doing right now, and all that he is going to do. Let's stand up and close in prayer. Well, Heavenly Father, we do bless you this day. Praise you, God, this day. Oh, Lord God, I pray that, Lord, even the, the, the call to praise the Lord would not become a vain repetition for us. Lord God, I I know, Lord, we're all guilty at times of giving lip service. We've all been guilty of even serving, Lord, begrudgingly. God, crucify those things. And Lord, raise up out of the even ash heap of, Lord, those vanities. God, a glory to you. God, that we'd be a people that praise the Lord in a world that so few Lord, even know the Lord or even muster praise to you, God. And that out of that, Lord, Lord, you would be magnified and glorified and you would draw people unto yourself. Lord, that they could partake, God, of what we have partaken of based on your goodness and your grace and mercy, God. The restoration of life, beauty from ashes, a great future and hope. The factor with us till the end of the age, the fact that, again, we can claim, Lord, ownership of of the authority in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Lord. We give you praise, God. Listen, if you're here and you haven't called upon the name of Jesus, today is the day of salvation. Our sin, and we're all sinners, damns us to hell. No exceptions in that. But again, the Lord atoned for our sins, paying the penalty of our sins. He rose from the grave and defeated death that again has whoever will call in his name will be saved. No exceptions. Whoever calls upon him will be saved. Have you called upon Christ? Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? He wants to be today. Thank you for the food that's been made out there, God, those that have labored. Bless that to our bodies, God. Continue to go before us this day. Give us strength, God. Lord, we want to finish God praising you. We, we want to finish God in song. And Lord, we don't want it to be a lip service, God. Let us heartily praise the Lord that you would be Lord, glorified. Lord, we would make melody to you. We admonish one another, encourage one another. Let's lift our voices to him and give him praise. I will delight myself in the word I place my trust. Sing that again. I will delight myself in the Lord and in his word I place my trust. 
Guys, there's food out there that's been prayed for, so go and be blessed with that. Encourage one another and pray you have a wonderful day in the Lord Jesus Christ.